So we're going to continue this morning on our series that we started last week called Different by Design, that my parents, Mike and Tisa, they started the series out talking about how men and women are different and how God created them uniquely, special, and that we need each other. Men and women need each other and the way that God designed us all throughout life, that everyone is valued and loved. And today we're going to continue with a slightly different topic on commitment issues. And that's what we're going to do. Yeah, which is a little bit funny because commitment's sort of our thing. Like Nate was my first boyfriend, so. Chantel was my first kiss. TMI. So, um, we're like super overly committed, even like with friendships. Some of our friends are like, oh my gosh, and we're like, sorry. We're like, you know, we're just a little overcommitted, but we're also like super indecisive about like all the little things that don't really matter. Like, for example, Nate, if he's like gonna buy a pair of shoes, he will research for weeks and weeks about the right shoes. We will go to the store, he will buy the shoes, we will come back home, and he will still be mulling over. Were these the right purchase? Are these comfortable? Do they look right? Like, it's painful. I once returned a pair of shoes a year later. Yeah. Is that wrong? It's very wrong. And yes. Don't have your return policy that good. That's what I always do. Yeah. It's the business's fault, not mine. Mm. But you'll do the same thing. Chantel once was in need of a new winter coat to keep her warm throughout winter. And she literally purchased every single coat Spokane had and returned every single coat that Spokane had. All to have a different coat. Yeah, it's, I, which, I have, but which meets all the fashion requirements I was looking for, but doesn't keep me warm. So I'm still searching if any of you have coat recommendations. Doesn't make sense. Doesn't make sense. We also yeah. are really indecisive about date nights. I don't know if anyone in here is indecisive about date nights. Yeah, well, it's like, a struggle. It's a painful process. We'll go on a date night. And I'll genuinely want to, like, be a great wife, and I'll say, you know, Nate, you pick. Pick anywhere you want to eat. I'll eat anywhere. And I just want you to love it. I want you to love it tonight. I'm not going to pick where we go. I'll say, no, you pick. You decide tonight. And we'll go back and forth. And then finally be like, all right, you know, let's just go to, like, the flying goat. And I'll be like, ah, anywhere but pizza. I just don't want pizza. And then we'll go back and forth. And I'll be like, fine, you pick the place. Yeah, and we're arguing, and we start date night out arguing about something dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Insides of what marriage actually looks like, yeah. if those of you who are single and want to know, yeah. But, uh, so we're going to talk about commitment issues this morning, and while many of you are probably maybe not as indecisive as we are, but uh, what we're going to talk about is not the, the ways that we're indecisive or don't have commitment about some of the small things in life, but what we're going to talk about is the commitment issues that we have in our heart that are far more significant than a pair of shoes. And so that's kind of where we're going to land this morning. And those of you who are single in here, those of you who are married, or uh, maybe you've been separated, this topic that we're going to talk about is not a marriage issue. This is a people issue that all of us in many different ways have commitment issues. And the Bible actually has a lot to say about not only commitment issues, um, where they stem from, but also what we should do with them. Yeah, so we're going to begin this morning with kind of a long piece of scripture. 
Uh, it'll be out of Joshua 24, and this is going to be kind of our foundation this morning. Then Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers, including Terah and the father of Abraham, and the father of Nahor, dwelt on the other side of the river in old times, and they served other gods. Then I took your father Abraham from the other side of the river, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and multiplied his descendants, and gave him Isaac. Verse 6 says, Then I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came to the sea. And the Egyptians pursued your fathers with chariots and horsemen to the Red Sea. So they cried out to the Lord, and he put darkness and put darkness between you and the Egyptians, brought the sea upon them, and covered them. And your eyes saw what I did in Egypt, that you dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, who dwelt on the other side of the Jordan, and they fought with you. But I gave them into your hand, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them before you. Verse 13, I have given you a land for which you did not labor, and cities which you did not build. And you dwell in them, you eat of the vineyards and the olive groves, which you did not plant. Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell." But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What a great piece of scripture. And if you've been in church for any amount of time, you've probably at least heard that, that for, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Um, and maybe you even have that somewhere in your home. We have it in our home. That This is a, a famous word that Joshua spoke to the people of Israel, that we are to choose who are you going to serve? You need to make a commitment on who you're going to serve. And it's interesting how he starts off by saying all the way back to Abraham, God has been faithful. And then we saw God do this. We saw God open the Red Sea. And then we saw God win this battle. And we saw God do all these things you saw with your own eyes, he says. And then he says, but some of you brought God's other gods with you into this promised land. And he says, you need to make a commitment. And incredibly interesting and powerful words that are communicated here. But he goes all the way back to the beginning of Genesis to remind the people of God's faithfulness. And this wasn't just stuff he was pulling out of his hat. They were standing at a location that says uh, that they stood at Shechem. This location, location was extremely significant in, uh, in the Bible, but for God's people. If we go all the way back to Abraham, the father of our faith, Father Abraham, in the beginning of Genesis, when, Abraham, when God came to Abraham and he left everything to follow this God to this unknown place, he didn't know what he was, where he was going. At Abram, he left all this stuff, and when he came to Shechem, that place, that is where God met Abraham there, and that's where God made this promise to Abraham that he said, this land in which we're standing, this is the promised land that I'm going to give to you and all your offspring right here. And then um, we had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, Jacob, 
he bought a piece of land near Shechem, and he dug a well there. And that's called Jacob's well. It's a famous well. You can go there to this day over in Israel and go to Jacob's well. And so there, Jacob had his 12 sons who made up the 12 tribes of Israel, one of them being Joseph. All of Joseph's older brothers were very jealous of him. It's Joseph in the multicolored dream coat, if you've ever heard the story. And what they did is they ended up beating their younger brother up, Joseph, and they sold him into slavery to the Egyptians. And then Joseph, here he is a slave in Egypt, but he remains faithful to God. And over time, Joseph actually begins being promoted where he goes from slave all the way to one of the highest ranking officials in Egyptian government. And then during this time when he is the, uh, this prince of Egypt, that there's this massive famine. And Joseph's family, he, never, he didn't know what happened to him. He hadn't seen them since they beat him up and sold him into slavery years later. And they come to Egypt seeking refuge and help because of this huge famine. And so then what happens is this is where Joseph finally sees his family again. And in a surprising turn of events, Joseph forgives his family for what they did to him. And because of who he was in the Egyptian government now, is he brings them into Egypt and he provides them a place to live and to prosper because of the famine that took place. And then as Joseph is on his deathbed, um, his one and his final wish was when I die, bring my body back to the promised land, back to Shechem, and I want you to bury me there where God's promise was to us. And so then what we see is, now the Israelites, now that that's how they got into Egypt, they multiply, and that's why they become captive in Egypt. And now they're slaves for over 400 years in Egypt. And then Moses comes along, and he sets them all free. And now he says that, I'm going to bring you to this promised land that God had. And so then they spend 40 years in the desert searching for that. And then Moses gets old, and he gets right up to the promised land, and he dies. And then it's Joshua who brings all the people into the promised land. After everything, God, all, all the things God was faithful throughout those years, now they're going into the promised land, but there's other evil, wicked people who are already inhabiting the promised land. So here Joshua enters in years of war and battle. Um, and after all these years of war and battle and God winning the fight and winning the fight and the people seeing this take place, then they come upon the place of Shechem, the promised land that represents all of God's faithfulness, that represents God's fulfillment of his promise. Here they stand at those place, that place, and if you keep reading on in Joshua 24, you'll see that they have the bones of Joseph with them. They are going to fulfill the promise to Joseph, and they are going to bury his body in that very place. And it's here in that time that they stand on that hill of Shechem and Joshua cries out to his people that I know some of you brought some idols with you. And even though you had seen God move in all these ways, and here we are at this place that represents God's fulfillment of his promise to us and his faithfulness, you need to choose today who will you serve? And why I love Joshua's words here, that he says, honestly, no matter what any of you choose, as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. It's these powerful, incredibly famous words we hear, but have deep meaning to it. Yeah, so the first big idea that we can take away from that story and that piece of scripture is that whom you serve will determine how you live. 
Joshua, in his speech to the Israelites, he calls them out and he says, I know some of you have brought your idols across the river into the promised land. Isn't it amazing that these people, they have witnessed miracles take place. They spent 40 years in the desert, battles, all, you know, parting of the Red Sea. They got to witness those things and they were still they were holding on to these little idols of like the sun and the moon and golden calves. But I think sometimes we do the same thing when times get tough. And maybe it's in a time where we're not seeing God's faithfulness right here in the now that we're looking for something else, something else to fulfill our needs, our wants, our voids in our life in the now. But when we do that, we can start to live in a way that God didn't design for us and that he doesn't want for us. Yeah, and what Joshua is essentially doing here is exactly what Chantel said, is that he knows that they're, many of them are not living according to what he wants. They have these little idols with them, and he's calling them to make a decision because Joshua knows that commitment begins with a decision that you make. And it's not just a decision with your mind, but it's a decision with your heart and your soul saying, I am all in. Joshua is essentially calling the people to a DTR with God. You guys know what? Do kids still say all these days? So Uh is there a DTR still a thing? (laughs) We're getting a little. It's a determine the relationship (laughs) conversation. It's like when you're in either like in the friend zone or maybe you're dating and you're like, where do I stand with this person? Like, I know we're having fun, but then you have to go to them and be like, okay, the DTR is like, are we boyfriend and girlfriend? Are we official? That's kind of like the DTR. Um, sometimes guys struggle at that, but you got to do it. And so Joshua here, he is saying to the people, it's time for a DTR with God. You need to determine where you're at, where you stand with God. You need to determine your relationship with him right now. Where are we at? Are we official? Are, you actually, are we actually all in? This is what Joshua tells his people, is you need to make a decision. It's, it's time to not be indecisive anymore with your life, with your soul, with your heart, and with where you stand with God. But oftentimes, like Chantel said as well, we do that too. We ultimately, it's easy to fall back into those things that we find comfort in, those idols that we have, whether it's the, the, the things that we serve, um, like ourselves, finding just our own happiness. What just makes me happy? Who makes me happy? Or maybe we serve money, or we, we serve uh, other things. And ultimately, whom you serve, it's going to dictate how you live, the decisions that you make. Listen to the words of Joshua one more time. Uh, where he says, now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. That he's saying you need to choose. Some of you are one foot in and one foot out. Some of you are coming to church, you're showing up, you're here with us, but for some reason you have your little idol with you. You have your little token of the other God that you serve with you. Some of you are only halfway in, and the Bible tells us, not only in Joshua, but we see it in Revelation as well, is that God doesn't only want you half in. 
He wants you all the way committed. And he's saying you need to make a choice. You need to make a decision. It's time to choose today. Here at the place of God's promise and faithfulness, who are you going to serve? But then Joshua says, says, no matter what you decide, I'm going to lead by example. And as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Because ultimately, the, the who you serve or what you serve, it's going to decide how you live. And if we choose to serve God, our priorities, honestly, they're going to be different, especially when we're tested by the fire. When financial uh, heartache comes, when rejection happens, when a relationship is tested, it's, when it's, it's in those times that who you serve is really going to determine are you going to do option A or are you going to do option B? Yeah, and I think, you know, like Nate said, if we're serving ourselves, all of our decisions and all of our thoughts and our motives are out of that. What, what do I want personally? What's going to make me happy? Maybe it's money and all our thoughts are about wealth and, and building wealth or maybe it's a real addiction in our life and that we're struggling with that's taking our time and our focus um, away from what the Lord wants for, for us. Um, and specifically speaking to dating relationships, if you, who you serve is also going to determine how you date. So before we enter into any kind of relationship with somebody else, we have to make a commitment for ourselves individually who we're going to serve. I think uh, a lot of times people get into relationships and they're looking to their boyfriend or their girlfriend to fulfill needs that, um, or fulfill voids in their life that are maybe through sexual pursuits or maybe they're through like deep dependency on one another. Or I think sometimes in culture, a lot of times people are looking for somebody to make us happy. And um, that's just such a false sense that somebody else is going to fulfill all of your needs and they're going to be everything that you're not because you can maybe do that for a little bit, but <laughs> and that's just, doesn't really pan out. That's a lot of pressure to put on someone too. Yeah. Like you must fulfill all my needs, all my expectations, all my wants. That's a lot of pressure that ultimately, while it can last for maybe a brief period of time, it's always going to run up dry or someone will always not meet an expectation, a need, yeah, and, yeah, and I think that the the reality is, and what we always have to 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 know individually and in a relationship is that nobody else is going to fulfill our voids, uh, the things that we are searching for in our life, but the Lord. Yeah. Also, who you serve, it will decide what your marriage looks like, what your priorities look like within your marriage. And while we're not going to spend an extensive amount of time on this today, John and Glendy Loringer are going to talk a little bit more about this specific topic next week. But we do have to understand that who we serve, it will determine what your marriage looks like, what decisions you make as a couple, um, especially when your marriage gets tested. And those of you who've been married for at least a day, you know marriage gets tested. And, and the decisions you make... Are, around parenting, around finance, around uh, job location. I mean, all these things. How are you going to, to uh, uh, 
make good decisions, wise decisions? How are you going to serve the other person? How are you going to make sure that the bond and the love and the commitment between each other stays true? That we have to make a commitment before we ever get into marriage to serve the Lord. And if you're in marriage, it's still okay to make that commitment. Make the commitment of who you're going to serve because the, the little decisions are going to be based around that, but definitely the big decisions, the trajectory of your life in your marriage will be determined based on who you're serving. Is it God or is it something else? So building a healthy dating relationship, uh, building a, a healthy uh, engagement, um, being healthy single, or being healthy married, all of it starts with a commitment to follow God. Then the decisions that you make, how you live, how you serve one another, how you treat one another, how you fight, how you argue, all of those things come from a deep relationship with your creator. How you live out your single years are stemmed from a deep relationship from your heavenly father, the God who loves you, died for you and provides for you. Yeah, so like I said, Nate and I have been married a little over 10 years now, so we still have a lot to learn. Um, we've been together since I was 16, and even though... Got married when you were 19. Yeah. Te teenage bride. <laughs> Teen <mom>. Yeah. <laughs> well, we yeah. But, uh, so we, we've always been very deeply committed to our relationship, but we've also always been really committed to our relationship with the Lord. But even, even still, that doesn't mean that our dating relationship was completely healthy. Those of you who knew Nate or I or both of us when we were 16 and 17 would uh, attest to us being a little bit way too preoccupied with one another. <laughs> so Small dependency issue. Yes, totally. <laughs> But even when we were kids and we were dating, we always had this common ground that um, really quickly became the foundation of our relationship. We both at that time in our young years were really seeking the Lord um, with our whole hearts and what he wanted from us and what that looked like in life and what the future had for us through that relationship with the Lord. So we spent a ton of time uh, reading the Bible together, praying together, talking about what the Lord was doing in our life and what that's going to look like for our future. And for all of you single boys, men in the house, um, that, is, that is like the most attractive thing in the world for a man to be following God, pursuing him with his whole life. And still in marriage, you know, 13 years later, that is the most attractive thing um, in our relationship. Um, but Second, are my stunningly yeah, good looks. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> looks fade, so we better love the Lord. <laughs> Not yet. We've got a few years, yet. babe. <laughs> but we both, we both uh, spent years, like three and a half years dating, um, really searching for uh, what the Lord had for us individually um, and learning what that looked like through trial and error. But also, we always kind of came back to and we always knew that no matter what the, we didn't really have an expectation long term for us as, as being together. Um, but we always knew that the Lord had a plan or a reason that we were, that we were together. So, 
Yeah, we felt like we could, we could live out our purpose as single uh, dating people uh, by following God. And that's just what we did. We read the Bible. We prayed. Um, we went to each other's churches. And we really sought him. Um, and it, as you think of Joshua's words uh, about serving, making that commitment of who you're going to follow, um, one thing that's interesting is I feel like Joshua points out that it's, it's a deeper issue than just a decision you made yesterday or today. That Joshua makes note that I know that some of your fathers brought you into this place. Some of your fathers um, uh, brought these other gods into your life. That I think Joshua knows that some of this is, a deep, is deep issues in their heart and in their lives. Decisions that maybe they never even made for themselves. But then here they are and they fell into these patterns that their parents maybe had put them in. Um, or decisions maybe they made themselves. But Joshua knows these are issues in the heart, deep issues in the heart, that only God can truly fulfill if they're following him. That he says, you know, your fathers brought these over, and here you are. You grew up in these environments, worshiping uh, something uh, other than the God of Israel. And I think that there's a deep issue here, that commitment, it is an issue of the heart that only Jesus can fulfill. Only truly uh, can God actually fulfill those issues. And oftentimes, our lack of commitment with our, our commitment with God or our commitment in relationships with other people, it's an issue of the heart that's a result of either those idols that we have in our life that, that cause destructive patterns or um, um, just selfish gain. Um, but it also, it can be a result of something like rejection. Or it can be a result of uh, maybe you grew up and uh, a split home, that your, your parents got divorced. Or maybe you have experienced divorce yourself. Or it could be other prior trauma that happened. But there's a lot of different reasons why these deep uh, issues in our heart come up. But only Jesus will ever truly be able to mend and fulfill those areas in our heart and in our life that are broken and are fractured. And that there's a void left there because of something that, that happened. And um, I, I know for me, while you know, I have some significant trauma that happened in my past, I also have little things that, are, that seem maybe insignificant that um, even just like convenience, comfort, or like I tend to be very, uh, have a lot of discontentment of like where I'm at. Like I always want the next thing or I always want to buy something different or like I never just like what I have around me. And it's very easy to just get in that mindset of going back to that idol of just discontentment that I have to remind myself knowing that only Jesus can provide real contentment that lasts the, the, a lifetime. Um, but those, those other things like rejection or divorce or trauma, those are things in our life that we need not only probably some professional help around, but we need Jesus to fulfill those areas in, in, the, in that life. Yeah, so now we're going to look at a story in the Bible where Jesus meets with a woman who is going through deep commitment issues. Um, we're going to look in John 4, starting with verse 4, if you want to follow along. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sachar, near the plot of the ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. So Jesus is going back to Shechem, and he sits at the very well that Jacob dug. 
he, is a, he there encounters a woman who has deep commi- commitment issues. And what we um, aren't going to read, but what Jesus discovers is that this woman has had five different marriages. She's currently in the middle of an affair. And Jesus then speaks to this woman at the well about the idols that she had been chasing after, men to fill voids, relationships, um, in and out. And in the midst of this, Jesus treats her with such dignity and love and respect that even though that she was pursuing these other things in her life that God hadn't planned for her, um, that left her feeling empty and ashamed and alone, Jesus then tells the woman this in verse 13. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. We need Jesus. A life spent following God is one that is full of Um, satisfaction. There's no idol, no relationship, nothing else in our life that we try and pursue to seek out that can fulfill that void in us um, that only Jesus can fill. So I know that I know that it takes a lot of faith, a scary amount of faith to put aside those things that may truly bring us a little bit of fulfillment in the now and some of those relationships that we're holding on to that we know that God doesn't want for us Um, And some of those things that bring us, you know, even down to the little things, God cares about those things that we're holding on to that um, we would rather have instead of what he has for us, which is a life lived well satisfied in him. And so some of us um, haven't made that decision. And like Nate said, maybe we're half in and we're not really willing to kind of let go of those things in our life, but it's time to choose for yourself. And even in marriage and in relationships and as a single person to recommit and commit and go back and and think, Lord, you know, I'm coming back to my commitment with you even over and over and over again. It's a a continual commitment to choose what he would have for us because it's so much better. Yeah, that's good. You know, maybe also... You're someone sitting here um, that has faced uh, the reality of uh, rejection or divorce. And it, it can be easy to think, um, I've made that commit once, once before, and it didn't work. And maybe it wasn't even your choice. Maybe you wanted to stay in the marriage or the relationship, but it was because of another person and their decisions that really affected you. Or maybe it was your poor decisions, and you just go, you know what, it's not worth it anymore. Like, I I stood at the altar, and I committed, and why do that again? Why why recommit with the Lord, or rethink that something's going to happen down the road that would have any different outcome than what I've already experienced? And I just want to tell you that even though you might feel like it's all over and there's no reason to commit, it's not. That Jesus is the one that in the midst of this woman's story, in the midst of all her life uh, struggles around commitment and relationship, that he provides her love and respect. And he gives her an opportunity to make that commitment anew. And she does. And it's this beautiful picture that in spite of our own uh, uh, lack of commitment, it's not based on 
how we come to God is, is if he's going to clean us up. It's God comes to us. He finds us in our place. And he still provides forgiveness and affirmation. God still provides us acceptance and forgiveness and love. And I just want you to know that if you find yourself in that place of being rejected in a relationship or you've experienced divorce in some way, whether it be through a parent or yourself, that God still wants your life to commit to him, that he will provide you with satisfaction and love. And you too can choose today who you will serve. You can still choose who I'm going to serve and what my life is going to look like moving forward. That Jesus can, will still forgive you. He'll still love you. He'll still accept you. And he will still lead and guide you in your life and in your decisions. That for, for many of us, it is time to choose today whom we will serve. Because who you serve will determine how you date. Who you serve will determine how you marry. Who you serve will determine how you stay married. And who you serve will determine how you live your single years out in your life. That God wants your heart. He wants your soul. He wants to bring you peace, love, and acceptance. And so with that, would you pray with me? Let, um, and I just, as we just bow our heads, those of you in the room who have not made that commitment before, that your foot is only one foot in or you're only halfway in and you've truly never decided to serve the Lord with your whole heart. You've never made that true commitment. I want to give you that opportunity right now to choose for yourself today who you will serve. You can serve the Lord. And if that's you, would you just pray this prayer in your own heart and your own mind as we close? God, I, I love you. And I want to commit my life to you. I want to serve you all the days of my life. Through the ups and the downs. You are my focus. God, I ask for your forgiveness in the ways that I've messed up. I believe that you died on the cross for me. And that your love covers me. Would you come into my heart? I want to follow you. I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Lead me and guide me. I commit my life to you on this day that I will serve you, Lord. Thank you for loving me. And if you prayed that, it's just the best prayer you could have ever prayed. Uh, angels are rejoicing in heaven for your commitment to him. God, we just thank you, Lord, for who you are and what you've done. God, we can look back like the Israelites were able to look back on the ways that you have not only loved us, but you have been faithful to us. God, as we stand here, sit here today, God, we want to commit ourselves to you. Would we live lives out of singleness, out of dating or marriage that would point people to you? May our marriages draw people closer to you, God. May our lives draw people closer to you. God, we love you and thank you. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Awesome. Thanks, you guys.
Well, if any of you in here would like some prayer after the service, right underneath this monitor, a, uh, some people would love to agree with you in prayer. If you're new here, you'd like to get connected, I'd love to meet with you right over here at First Connect. And if you have a answered prayer card that you would like to turn in, feel free. Uh, there's some boxes uh, right by the doors. Uh, you can toss them in there on your way out. Have a wonderful day, everyone.